0: value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up. And investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products, or to adopt any investment strategy. Welcome to the investor download the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. The gold price approached all-time highs of $2,050 an ounce just after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Since then, it's fallen back to around $1,930 an ounce, a range that it's been in since the early days of the pandemic. Because events around the world are moving so fast and policymakers are beginning to take steps to combat inflation, like the Federal Reserve raising its interest rates, we thought it would be a good idea to touch base again with fund manager and commodities expert James Luke to find out exactly what's going on. Uh, Just to note, we use a couple of acronyms in the podcast. ETF, which stands for Exchange Traded Funds. An ETF is a basket of securities that tracks an underlying index and is tradable on a public market. We also use CPI, or Consumer Price Index, And that's a basket of goods that most governments use to track inflation. James also mentions Paul Volcker. Paul was an American economist who served two terms as the chair of the Federal Reserve from 1979 to 1987. He was famously the Fed chairman who promised to wage war on spiralling inflation in the late 1970s and hiked interest rates to 20%. We'll hear more about him in future shows. Anyway, on with this show. James, welcome back to the Investor Download podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, it seems like a lifetime ago that we spoke, but it, wasn't, it was not probably actually only about uh, four or five weeks ago. But a lot's happened in between then, uh, in particular, obviously, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Can you just give us a background of what's happened to gold in that period? So from the end of January to where we are now?
1: The, ov- the overall trend has been and already was, um, Quite positive, quite firm. Um, gold prices started to move really in 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 mid to late January, uh, and then I would say, alongside uh, other commodity markets, accelerated on the news of the the Russian invasion into Ukraine. So, gold at that point moved back above two thousand dollars an ounce, and kind of challenged the the highs that we saw in August two thousand twenty. Uh, and then since then has been has been drifting lower uh, um primarily ahead of the uh, the federal Reserve meeting that we had earlier this week and the subsequent increase in interest rates. so so overall positive trend uh, and 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 uh, the 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 premium that was priced into the market uh, on the news of the the russian invasion has 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 pretty much been taken out.
0: And I think you mentioned in the last podcast that gold generally tends to react a little bit poorly into these rate rising cycles. Is that is that what's happening?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last four or five um, Fed rate hiking cycles, um, then on average, the gold price has bottomed either at the time of the first rate hike uh, or in the subsequent couple of weeks. Uh, I, as we discussed last time, when that when that overhang of coming interest rate increases is removed from the market, uh, the gold price tends to respond quite well. So so yeah, I think that we have a very similar, a similar feel this time around.
0: Okay, now there are other mechanisms within the markets, and in particular the Western world has put quite a few sanctions on Russia and some of its oligarchs. Now, can you just explain? what some of those sanctions might have to do in relation to demand within the gold market. In in
1: terms of sanctions on specific Russian individuals or specific companies, um, I don't really see much of an impact, to be honest. I mean, I I guess you could argue that an oligarch or two might shift some of their quite massive wealth into gold markets or um or or, or even that russian gold producers who are who are quite sizable uh on, on, as a share of global production might struggle to sell gold uh into the uh the london market or into the western market uh, but still i think i think those impacts are are quite marginal I, I think the impact that has been or could be you know quite significant in the midterm is really the the unprecedented sanctioning of the um the russian central banks Ah, uh, foreign exchange reserves, which is which is you know for for a G20 uh, central bank to be sanctioned in that way is 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 pretty much unprecedented, uh, and I think the 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 link to the gold market there, uh, obviously, is that it, it, in the midterm it really raises the question uh, of whether we're likely to see uh, an acceleration uh, of a trend that's already been in place uh, of increasing overall central bank holdings of gold because. After all, if, if if you now believe that your your rainy day fund, um, your your security blanket, um, from an economic protection sense, is is is, is no longer or, or could plausibly uh, be taken away from you, if you're non-aligned with the U.S. or you're sanctioned by the U.S. for whatever reason, uh, then can you really rely uh, on those reserves uh, at all? Can you even really think of them as as reserves uh, in in extremis? Um, and so if you look at the, you know, there's a long list of emerging market central banks, for example, that have gold reserves, which are, you know, well below 5% of their total FX reserve holdings, uh, with US dollar holdings still, still taking up the mass majority. And so there is, in my mind, at least, and I think in many people's minds, a broad question mark of whether a portion of those reserves could, 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 could find their way into, in, into the gold market, as you see that share of gold FX reserves going up. And and I think I think what's interesting there is obviously that doesn't happen uh, immediately. Uh, it's not a short-term impact. Um, but you know, as I said, it comes against the backdrop of already strong central bank demand, uh, and the numbers are just the numbers are just staggering. Um, you know if, if we look at total central bank reserves, they're around around fifteen trillion. Um, or sorry, if you look at total FX reserves, they're around the 13 trillion dollar mark. Uh, and I was calculating with a, a colleague of mine in, in in the team yesterday that if you were to, on a global basis, shift a further 1% uh, into gold, uh, that would equate to something, you know, something north of 65% of 2021 total global gold demand. So to be clear, it's a, a major significant shift into gold is just not possible in the in the short term without obviously you know, much 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 higher prices um, and I think the other, the other the other interesting point really is that you know, we were already seeing uh, a, a a significant turnaround in private uh, investment demand for gold um, particularly from from North America and ongoing strong demand in Europe and, you know, and I think the sense that if you, if you added to that uh, a broader, uh, more sustained, overall larger central bank bid, then I think that the notion that you have strong both strong private and strong public demand for gold is 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 is, is, is certainly you know a, a much higher uh, probability scenario now than it was perhaps at the beginning of the year.
0: On Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to The Investor Download. And how much of that increasing private investor demand has to do with Russia's invasion of Ukraine and people fleeing to safety? And how much of it has to do with the possible consequences of the Fed's rate hiking cycle?
1: I mean, if, if you look, for example, at total known holdings in physically backed gold ETFs, um, then you saw a very large increase uh, towards the end of January, so around a month uh, before the invasion kicked off. Um, and, and from from the end of January to the 24th of Feb, which I think was the, the date of the invasion, you saw continued kind of gradual increases. Uh, and then those inflows have accelerated uh, since then. So it's certainly fair to say that the um the invasion itself probably has triggered some of those flows. Um, but I think also it's it's definitely fair to say that those flows were already well in well in um, well in chain well in process or had already started uh, long before the invasion. um so in answer, I mean more directly i think I think that the I think in general, when you get these Kind of geopolitical shocks, be it the you know, things like the Gulf War uh, or nine eleven, they tend to lead to short-term pops in the gold price, but historically haven't really been sustained. Um, and so I think that that's why what's interesting here is 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 the question mark of of whether or not this will trigger a more sustained move in central bank demand in the midterm. Uh, and then in the short term, uh, to to answer your question more directly, uh, i I think the most important, the most the most sizable shifts uh, coming into the gold market from the private sector will almost all um be related to the fed hiking cycle uh, and the the kind of large uncertainty in the market of 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 how long uh, that cy- that cycle is likely to last. Um, what the unintended consequences, what the negative feedback loops into real economic growth, into financial markets are likely to be, uh, and also I think kind of significant nervousness about the fact that you know, there is a perception that, that the Fed and, and central banks in particular are are, are are losing credibility. I mean, look at the situation: we have we have 7.9% CPI in the US. Uh, and then the Fed at its latest meeting basically said the economy is extremely strong. Uh, employment is extremely strong. We see very limited chance of a recession. Uh, our, our main priority is price stability. And yet their response was to raising interest rates by 0.25%. It's kind of like trying to fight a fire with a, a small cup of water. Um, and so it raises the question of, well, why why is the Fed so timid? Why are, are Western central banks so timid? I mean, we have exactly the same uh, inflation path right now in, in the US as we do in Brazil. Um, they, they track each other pretty well. And yet the the, the Brazilian central bank has, has been incredibly orthodox in its monetary policy response and has raised rates substantially. Uh, and the Fed is unable to do so. Well, why not? Uh, and for us in our team, we, we think that the structural backdrop, the systemic backdrop, uh, in terms of overall leverage levels, in terms of overall debt levels, in terms of overall asset prices, it's really put central banks into in, in, into a very difficult position, and that's why they act so meekly and so timidly and remain so far behind the curve. And we think it's that it's that environment, it's that you know macro reality um, that is causing people um, to 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 relook at the, the the proportion of their portfolios that they hold in safe haven assets like like gold.
0: I mean, the Fed were pointing to potentially up to eight interest rate rises in 2022 alone. It sounds, from what you're saying, that you're at the very least sceptical they will get anywhere near that.
1: I wouldn't say that that, that we're sceptical they can do that. That that itself probably takes them to a, I don't know, 2% or so, 2% plus. Um i guess we're skeptical that they can do that without seeing um, quite significant uh, negative feedback loops is 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 the best way to put it um i guess we so i get i guess the way to put it would be we're skeptical that we won't get to the end of this year uh, and see the fed in a a much more difficult position in terms of having to potentially choose between taming inflation uh, and protecting economic growth and and protecting employment. Um, So I think that's where that's where our scepticism lies.
0: Have we got to the point where people, perhaps yourselves in particular, are starting to question whether central banks do have the right tools in the current era we're living through, where there's we're going through a war in part of Europe. We're coming out of a pandemic. We've got high inflation, uh, strong growth. Whether central banks still have the right tools to fight uh, to fight current inflation levels,
1: I think it's been clear for a while that that that, that going forward, with with debt levels this high, we're more likely to see um, a policy mix. That includes a much stronger role for fiscal policy uh, alongside monetary policy. Um, to your question of whether central banks have the right tools to control inflation, I mean, they definitely do. I mean, if 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 the if the Fed were to raise rates, you know, to 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 five percent very very quickly, uh, or to you know to, to 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 do a Paul Volcker or to go through their own Paul Volcker moment. Um, then I think inflation could be controlled very quickly because I think aggregate demand uh, in the U.S. economy would react very strongly to that because I think there's a very high sensitivity to higher nominal interest rates uh, in large parts of, of of the U.S. and developed market economies in general. Um, you know, the question is whether they could do that uh, without triggering a you know, very very significant asset price deflation. That pushing the economy into into a very severe recession, Um because that's that's the impact of trying to use monetary policy against a backdrop of very significant overall leverage and debt, um, and that that's what I meant by the the overall kind of debt trap that that, that 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 central banks find themselves in. So it's not it's not that they don't have the tools to control inflation; it's a question of whether they have the whether they have the bravery and they have the ability to control the unintended unintended consequences of the of, of what a very tight monetary policy might bring. you know one one of the points we made on the I think on the prior podcast is that we think that going forward, we are going to see more you know proactive use of fiscal policy alongside you know monetary policy in in complete contrast to what we saw post two thousand and eight. so i just I just think that you know, the 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 reaction that we've seen in europe um to to the way that the Russia Ukraine situation is unfolding and and to the you know the obvious shock to european security policy that has 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 the, 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 this has awakened is 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 pretty instructive on on that matter like we we already had you know some very very uh ambitious climate mitigation net zero targets that were being uh, pushed by the eu and national governments uh, and now we also have some very ambitious uh, security and defence targets that are coming alongside those. So I don't, I don't believe for a second that um, kind of midterm renewables targets, which obviously go hand in hand with energy security, given that that that's one way to to, to wean yourself off Russian fossil fuels. I don't believe that those targets are going to be sacrificed. Uh, I, but I do believe that defence spending, as the Germans have already very clearly signalled, is going to rise very significantly. Uh, so how, how do you fund that? It has to be through fiscal expansion. Uh, how do you finance that fiscal expansion unless central banks are going to remain inc- extremely accommodative? Um, so so I, I, believe that's, I believe that's the situation, situation we're, we're now in, really. And it, it, does, it does portend kind of higher and more volatile inflation, I think. Get in touch with us by email at Podcasts at com, or visit our website, shutterstock.com forward slash the investor download.
0: Okay, so James, we talked about the gold price and how that's been performing. Uh, you mentioned the previous podcast about gold equities. What have they been doing in conjunction with the gold price? Uh, they've been doing pretty, pretty
1: well, actually. Um, you know, and in, 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 I, I guess the best example of the, the the relative strength in the gold equities has really come. Through the recent correction we've had, as I said, gold prices initially have moved above $2,000 an ounce and then have corrected. I don't know about 8% uh, from the top. Usually, in a in a in an 8% gold price correction, you'd expect the gold equities to to correct somewhere between I don't know 10 and 10 and 15%. This time around, the gold equities uh, have actually, you know, outperformed the gold price, even in a gold correction, which is which is which is quite interesting, uh, and I think speaks to both how badly beaten up the gold equities uh, have become over the last 18 months or so, uh, and it also speaks to the fact that you know, we already were seeing uh, signs of interest creeping back into the gold gold equity space for the reasons that we, we described before. So, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty resolute behaviour, really.
0: Has the issues with some of the Russian miners on the London Stock Exchange, the fact that some of them have been taken off the FTSE 100 has that had any impact on sentiment towards miners at all?
1: Um, certainly not, that you can see in in share price performance. Um, I mean, the the broad the broad index of gold mining stocks is probably up thirteen percent or so uh, year to date, uh, and so within that you've obviously got the the Russian producers. Polyus, polymetal down more than ninety percent. Um, so, so no, i think I think I think what it has caused is for anyone incrementally coming into the space or want or wanting to to own uh, that type of portfolio, diversifying equity exposure, you, 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 it's probably increased demand for gold miners um, with operations in other emerging markets. So, for example, benefiting the the South African listed producers, um, or, or, or benefiting uh, some some producers with, with with assets in South America, um, but certainly in terms of aggregate overall performance or aggregate overall appetite, uh, there's been no noticeable impact.
0: So, just to round this off, given the geopolitical and economic issues we're currently facing, can you foresee any negative shocks on the horizon for gold?
1: Well, I think I think as we said I said earlier that the most the most obvious. The most obvious negative shock for gold would be much tighter than expected monetary policy. So if if if, if Jerome Powell uh, has his own Paul Volcker moment uh, and really tightens U.S. monetary policy very aggressively uh, to try to tame inflation, um, then in, then at least in the short term, uh, that would that would clearly would be a, a negative shock for gold. I think um i guess in absolute extremists, um the the, the 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 if you if you saw for example uh absolute economic collapse in russia uh and 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 the need to monetize gold reserves um to to continue to keep the wheels on the domestic economy well, that would be a, a a potential negative shock um but again, I, I think both of those things are, are, are low probability. To be clear, I don't think the collapse of the Russian economy is low probability. I think that them monetizing gold reserves to try to keep the wheels on is low
0: probability. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at schroderspodcasts at schroders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening. But above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers.